Efficiency Services Group partners with publicly owned electric utilities to deliver energy efficiency programs and services. ESG serves as an extension of energy services staff, bringing a wealth of skills and experience to provide direct install programs, customer care kits, field auditing and inspections, utility staff training, and reporting for Bonneville Power Administration customers and California utilities. Learn more about how ESG can benefit your energy efficiency organization at EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. That's EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up. With me is my co-host and the editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of our top stories that we've been reporting on lately. Uh, first, Jason, how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. How are you? I had a good weekend and I'll charged up a little. Took a little trip over to Sierra City, which is a beautiful little town and nestled here in the mountains and had a great time. Oh, that that does sound like a lovely weekend. Sierra City, yeah. like Sierra Nevadas. Yeah, it's okay. uh, just down from Sierraville. You got Sierra, Sierra City, <laughs> Sierra City, Sierraville. I feel like I'm picking yeah. up on a theme. And and Downeyville is also close. These are old the mining Downeyville. Towns. Mm-hmm. So that's not named after Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and as far as I know, okay, it much predates him. All right. Well. Yeah, fun little towns. We um, we played an 80th birthday party. Some people know I play music, but uh, just fantastic. This guy, he looked like he was 60 years old, and all his friends got up telling stories and very homey, entertaining stories. And then just awesome little town. You go to breakfast the next morning, and everybody there was at the at the gig the night before. So oh, that's great. Yeah, and then uh, the North Yuba is just uh. Beautiful river. These towns run right along the North Yuba, which is just raging right now. Very scenic. Rivers be raging. Rivers be raging, especially right now. A few kayakers out there. Yeah, stay safe. So what what stories do you have for us this week? All right. We've got a pretty big story on the remanding of the Berkeley natural gas ban which legal experts are saying could reverberate across the nation. It's from reporting from Linda Daly Paulson. And then I have California independent system operators moving to dynamic line ratings for its transmission system. This flows from a federal energy regulatory commission order or decision last week. And then finally, in a very California story, Burning Man versus geothermal development on their land in Nevada. So I have a little update on that. It's not looking good for ORMAT and it's geothermal development. Uh, I'm taking on Burning Man, apparently. Ah, the party must uh, go on. Yeah. What's uh, up so in the I've, Northwest? I've got a story about Oregon state officials say that they told Pacific Corps ahead of the Labor Day weekend uh, 2025 wildfires that the uh, that they should de-energize their power lines. Um, mm. And as we know, that did not happen. And it led to some pretty terrible uh, wildfires and very destructive. 
So that just came out in a um, an ongoing lawsuit, and then we're sounds like we're getting close to a, uh, an agreement in principle in the Columbia River Treaty between Canada and the U.S. And then last, an update on the timeline for Southwest Power Pools Markets West Day Ahead Market uh, proposal for the Western U.S. Awesome! You've really been keeping up with Markets Plus. Well, I try. Uh, so what's going on this yeah the, this uh, ninth circuit decision uh yeah. could have huge implications i think so um this is appeals court overturning the city of berkeley california's ordinance limiting natural gas use could affect some of the cities that have enacted enacted similar laws it could affect cities in other states too within the appellate court's jurisdiction that have similar ordinances um some legal experts contend the decision could disrupt building electrification efforts nationwide. Attorneys for the California Restaurant Association declared that they, quote, secured a precedent-setting victory, unquote, for that group in its litigation against the city of Berkeley. U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit found April 17th that the city ordinance limiting natural gas use in newly constructed buildings conflicts with existing federal law is remanded. Um to district court, according to uh, Linda's article here, the city of Berkeley instituted its ban in July 2019, leading the CRA, the Restaurants Association, to file suit saying it's invalid, unenforceable under the Federal Energy Policy Conservation Act, which the court agreed with. Um, this is appeal from lower court. So yeah, the, the, this court's jurisdiction includes Alaska, Arizona, California, Hawaii, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington, as well as Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. Um, yeah, here's a quote from the decision. Quote, by completely prohibiting the installation of natural gas piping within newly constructed buildings, the city of Berkeley has waded into a domain preempted by Congress. Instead of directly banning those appliances in new buildings, Berkeley took a more circuitous route to the same result. It enacted a building code that prohibits natural gas piping into those buildings, rendering the gas appliances useless. Apparently that's not going to work and uh, conflicts with federal law. And uh, yeah, this, as we can see, um, national implications. Uh, we have um, some legal experts here, David Smith, um, from uh, based in San Francisco and Orange County, told CEM the court is just reading the statute and giving it full preemptive effect. It significantly curtails the ability of cities, counties, and even the state to disallow natural gas for use in new buildings. Um, but Panama Bartholomew from the Building Decarbonization Coalition said that the nation will still decarbonize its buildings. The headlines aren't true, according to Panama. I'm not sure which headline he's referring to. Hopefully not ours. But uh, yeah, this is uh, a lot of people will be cheering this decision. This is, of course, a very divisive issue in the general public. People like their gas and um, yeah. it turns out they, they can't do it this way. Well, and this so, uh, could have some effects up here where some cities have tried to uh, or have enacted measures to ban it. Um, and yeah. Eugene, Oregon being one of them that is in having a a fight right now in the public arena with Northwest Natural over that. 
And then um, I think as we covered in recent weeks, uh, legislators in Idaho and Montana have enacted laws to handcuff uh, city and county governments from enacting these kind of bans. So right. they're certainly becoming increasingly controversial. Uh, yeah. So. I, have you have you spoken to people about this just conversationally? I, I no, not actually. Now that you mention it, not really. Um, here and there, but it's not right. a huge uh, topic up here. Uh, so I live in Seattle, which uh, has restricted new gas uh, connections. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it really it's come up a handful of times, but I, I can't remember. You know it, what people mm. felt about it. It wasn't like anybody raging against it or, you know, um, singing yeah. praises for it. Yeah. Well, I've, people I've talked to are kind of in disbelief and they, they want their gas, but you know, I live in NorCal. We're kind of more rebellious up here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I, I have friends in the restaurant business. Um, they seem rather ambivalent about, it. I haven't really, I don't think they really consider what it takes to cook only with electricity. I know, um, yeah. you know, when we had big winter outages here, we were able to keep cooking because we had gas and gas fireplaces, which um, got me into a little bit of debate with people on Twitter when I pointed that out. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, will be ongoing and we'll continue to cover this. Indeed, uh, in California and and the Northwest and, and the Southwest. Yeah. So, yep. Well, Wider West. Yeah. And you know what? Who covers a lot of that area is Pacific Corps, which has a few yes. huge service territory. Um, right now, Pacific Corps is having, uh, uh, so in, in a lawsuit in Oregon came out that Oregon state officials before Labor Day weekend in 2020, they urged the utilities, the uh, private, the investor-owned utilities in the state to de-energize their power lines. They were concerned about uh, the risk of wildfire. Uh, Pacific Corps did not follow the request with devastating results. Its power lines have been uh, implicated in starting at least one fire, the Archie Creek wildfire, I believe. Yeah, Archie Creek wildfire. Uh, that Pacific Corps reached a confidential settlement with two families who were uh, victims of that fire um, separately. But so in testimony in court uh, April last week, one of the top state of, uh, officials in terms of wildfire, who's now in the governor's office, he was the former chief of fire protection for the Oregon Department of Forestry, uh, at this time in 2020. So he said that several state officials encouraged uh, Pacific Corps, Portland General Electric, and uh, Bonneville Power Administration. I'm sorry, I, I said it was three IOUs, so two IOUs and BPA. Uh, they encouraged them to de-energize. Uh, the advice was not taken. Uh, so they were asking for public safety power shutoffs and the um, the official here, Doug Graff, said in his testimony that he was, quote unquote, discouraged by the utilities' responses. 
They wanted to know where existing fires were occurring, he said. They wanted to know how many fires, how significant were they, where uh, were they large fires, where are they at, and where's the greatest potential for risk of future fires by utilities. There's a lot of questions to throw at some state officials who are concerned about wildfire um, danger, you know, uh, when they're coming to you just days before the weekend. Um, right. Yeah, so this is a class action lawsuit that Pacific Core is involved with, uh, brought by victims of the 242 Echo Mountain Complex, Santium Canyon, and uh, South Obin, Obin Chain. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've never had to pronounce that out loud, so I, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and those fires combined burned more than 1 million acres. Oof. Tough situation. Yeah. I hate to be the guy that took this call and made made this decision. Although, as quoted in the story, there's a Pacific Core guy, Scott Bolton, said denied that the state asked, or encouraged, or implied that Pacific Core should initiate a PSPS. Yes. Yeah. This was. Yeah. Not. not yeah, Pacific Core is coming out and flatly, as you noted, yeah, Scott Bolton came out and said that this never happened. So. Mm. there you go yeah just the difference of descriptions here about this phone call apparently a 15 minute phone call wow that's uh yeah that's the stressful i imagine the decision to de-energize is also just a really tough one to make you know everybody hates psps's but as we see here the alternative can be much much worse and increasingly Utilities are adopting very clear policies for PSPSs. Yeah. Um, so, course, which is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They clearly, it, this is an issue that we need to be concerned about and need to take seriously in our wildfire mitigation plans, or the industry needs to take more seriously. Uh, yeah. And it seems like there's some movement on it. This story for people concerned about that risk, obviously, this story is not very encouraging. Uh, hopefully Pacific Core and other utilities are you know, really taking the lessons from that um, those terrible fires and uh, putting them into policies that will make a difference. Yeah, and just um, I think the risk has really been, I don't want to say minimized, but has been sort of, you know, uh, mitigated somewhat by all the billions of dollars going into wildfire mitigation, tree clearing, Overhead conduct, you know, covering conductors, undergrounding, and hopefully this problem will get much better because it's a huge problem. Yeah, there certainly have has been uh, a lot of work done in those areas up here, and yeah, it mm-hmm. does. That's important work, um, money that is well spent, um, at least in terms of from the perspective of regulators. Uh, so far, I've not heard of any cases where regulators deemed that doing tree clearing and that sort of stuff uh, was not a good use of, of ratepayer money. So right. certainly that, that goes a far way. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, this is something I've, I covered some wildfires when I was at uh, daily newspapers. So I find this stuff very interesting and you can get really quickly get into, or I should say, you can't really talk about wildfires in the big picture in, unless you are going to talk about um, land use policy. 
and mm. how we dedicate resources. Uh, you know, going out and supporting the expansion of housing in you know very rural, isolated right. areas uh, that then you know creates a public safety responsibility for. Yeah, and utilities have pointed out they have the obligation to serve, so they have to run these lines out through wildfire country. Yeah. And it hasn't worked out very well, to say yeah. the least. All right, that's a reporting from Greg Mason. Yes, yeah, was, uh, yeah, Greg. Now you've got a story out of Kaiso on speaking of power lines. Yes. Yep, this is a decision by FERC, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, last week. Partially approved California independent system operators Compliance filing, long story short, Kaiso will be able to operate its system with more precision by considering prevailing weather and temperature conditions. After this ruling, this is compliance filing related to FERC's order number 881, which has actually been around since 1996. But this filing was in response to a 2021 order related to FERC, uh, related to order 881. And that 2021 order was called Managing Transmission Line Ratings. Order 881 sprang from FERC's conclusion that inaccurate transmission line ratings are leading to unjust and unreasonable rates because of the connection between the transmission system and wholesale electric costs. Currently, seasonal static line ratings lead to less available transmission at some times, which gives rise to congestion, curtailment, and cost increases. And other times, line ratings might overstate transfer capability, creating reliability problems, artificially low congestion pricing. So I I remember writing a story about dynamic line ratings. It must have been 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. <clears throat> this is nothing new, but the federal wheels turn slowly here. But a pretty, pretty major change. Um, you know, the, the current ratings are often based in conservative worst case assumptions, temperature and weather change, uh, temperature and weather change by the hour, but seasonal or static line ratings do not ac accurately reflect near term capability. So FERC ordered development of what's called ambient adjusted ratings and dynamic line ratings. Ambient adjusted ratings are determined using near term forecast, ambient air temperatures and updated solar heating values during the day and night. And dynamic line ratings are calculated using up-to-date forecasts of ambient air temperature and other weather conditions, such as wind, cloud cover, solar heating, intensity, and precipitation. So we have a lot of discussion about efficiencies on the transmission system, building more uh, transmission too. And this won't be just KISO. This will be the ISOs and RTOs across the country doing this. So pretty major change. I think this will be a welcome change. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, and yeah. yeah, given the implications here for the EIM, obviously this has um, right. big repercussions outside of California. Yeah. I assume more efficient usage of the system across the 11 state EIM. Yeah, so hopefully. Good news for It'll traders. be interesting uh, to see yeah, if this changes the calculations any on um, resource adequacy and other you know, uh, reliability, whatnot, uh, et cetera. Sure. Uh, yeah, if if we can use the transmission line more efficiently or the transmission grid more efficiently, it's uh, 
you know, it's akin to bringing resources, new generating resources online to some degree. Yeah, I think so. I, I'll be uh, following to see how things change as this comes into view. Kaisa might talk about it at some point. Give yeah. us some numbers. Well, keep us yeah. updated on it. All right. Well, you have some uh, CRT news for us, I understand. That is correct. We're going to go into this issue. But I'm not uh, talking about critical race theory. No, no, we're not. Don't worry. Everybody can <laughs> take, Everybody a, take a breath. No, uh, some good news from the State Department here. They, uh, The chief negotiator for the State Department says that she is optimistic uh, that Canada and the United States can reach an agreement in principle on the uh, sticking points that remain for the Columbia River Treaty by June. Which uh, she says, nice. you know, uh, quote, resolving the remaining sticking points by Ju by June is ambitious, but the United States believes it is achievable. We have made significant pro progress. That's Jill Smale, the chief U.S. negotiator for the CRT. Uh, she said that last week during a public listening session. This is a story from my colleague uh, Casey Mahaffey, but this is you know we. Uh, the U.S. and Canada have been working on the, uh, updating the CRT for several years now, and it really affects uh, the economic and environmental management of the Columbia River Basin, which is what the Northwest hydropower system is based on. So it has huge implications uh, for both environmental and economic issues. So looking Sweet. forward to a story that hopefully... Uh, we'll have soon, um, you know, saying, hey, yep. everything's been resolved and, uh, you know, we're moving towards signing a treaty uh, that hopefully, you know, the U.S. Um, has had some grievances. They say the the structure of the current treaty in uh, several ways uh, is tilted in Canada's benefit. Yep. Uh, so they're hoping to rebalance that, especially in terms of water available for hydropower generation. So. Sure. Water war is a big, big emerging topic here in the West. There just simply isn't enough water, yeah. although this year it really helped. Well, uh, the opposite of water, fire, fire, burning man, burning What's man. What's going on? For people that don't know what burning man is, it's a massive <laughs> annual arts and performance festival held in the Nevada desert. I'll leave you to do a Google image search on that one. Um, <laughs> I've not been there, but I know a lot of people that I have because I live fairly close there. But anyhow, Ormat is trying to develop new geothermal resources adjacent to this property, but the Washoe County Commission on April 11th voted 3-2 to deny Ormat an administrative permit to drill up to 13 geothermal test wells on four parcels of federal land. Burning Man has, um, let's see, challenged a e environmental assessment issued by the bureau of land management um that's in federal court burning man project in a news release said dude the county's decision is final i just threw in the dude quote ormat may seek to appeal this decision in the courts or take some other legal action but the decision delays the project for a substantial period of time and could result in it never moving forward <laughs> So, yeah, interesting. This is reporting from Abigail Sawyer. Um, 
Commission member Mike Clark, who voted to deny the permit, said during the meeting that he lives near an operating ORMAT plant. Quote, I think they're good neighbors. This is a renewable energy. I thought this would be a slam dunk. And I would vote for this until I heard the passion of the folks that live there. There's a town known as Gerlach. People don't want it. So, yeah. No matter what type of energy you're trying to cite, you're going to run challenges, even geothermal. <clears throat> and that's where yeah, we are indeed. with this one. Yep. So, uh, Burning Man doesn't want renewable energy there. Yeah, and if they could find a way to tap into that power. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not what you expect from Burning Man, but surprises never cease. Exactly. I um, said I've never been, but I'm talking to parents at school. Where did y'all meet? Burning Man? Okay. (laughs) That is going to be an interesting relationship, I'm sure. (laughs) Yep. But back in markets news, what's going on with Marcus Plus? So the representatives from utilities and other entities uh, who are working to bring the Southwest Power Pool's uh, day ahead market proposal, Markets Plus, the the folks who are working to bring that into, uh, to make it real, like make it a going concern, uh, voted last week during a two-day meeting in Colorado to speed up the timeline. Uh, So the goal now is to file the Markets Plus tariff with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission in the first quarter of 2024. So that is a, uh, that's shaving like a year off of the original timeline. Wow. Yeah, so they they are gung-ho. Now it should be said that the participants, they are not committed. They, even though they're putting this time into it, uh, a lot of these entities are also putting time into uh, Kaiso's day ahead, extended day ahead market proposal. So yeah. Yeah, this is a different process. Um, this is much more ground up than Kaiso, but so they're more involved in this one. Uh, so, you know, but uh, just because folks are involved with this does not mean that they have ruled out uh, the extended day ahead market with Kaiso. So, yeah. But two competing efforts. I, uh, you know, I see a lot of chatter online about this because I have a, a energy Twitter. I, a lot of energy industry people. That gov- that California governance thing is still a big one. People just can't seem to get past that. So yeah, that's- no, very. It is very real, and we will continue covering this from uh, both angles, uh, California and. SPP's proposal. But in the meantime, that's all from me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studio. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole. That's the letter D and catchpole. uh, Minus my blue check, which I lost last week. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow Clearing Up uh, on Twitter at CU News Data. That's the letter C and then U News Data. Yeah, I lost my blue check too, but I thought I thought you maybe got one. I saw a big blue check, but you were just playing around, it looks like. Oh, yeah, no, I just made it my profile picture. Nice. But I lost mine too. Oh, well, I don't think anybody will be imposting me. California Energy Markets is on Twitter at CEM News Data. I'm on there also at Fordney Energy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.